0: Well, We are continuing in our seven series that we started last week, and uh, all this is part of uh, just a celebration of uh, Generation Church turning seven uh, years old, and uh, it's going to be a seven-part series, so how about that? Uh, But uh, last week we talked about just the the need for rest in our lives, and the uh, the biblical command of a Sabbath, and what a Sabbath uh, really means, and that God created the world in Six days, but he created seven days, and that seventh day was for uh, a reason, and that was for you to rest, and so that you can recharge, and and your soul can be revitalized. But today we're going to change direction a little bit uh, within this series. Uh, I wonder how many of you this morning you've ever had a dream in your life, like a dream for your life. I'm not talking about those things that you wake up in the morning, you're like, whoa, what was that? Like I dreamt something last night. Where did that come from? That that was weird. It's like these people I haven't seen forever in my life suddenly came in my mind. Not that kind of dream, but a dream for your life. Maybe it's a dream for your career or you, you have a dream for your family and what you want your family to become. Uh, for people who are married here this morning, maybe you, you have a dream or have had a dream for your marriage and the things that you want to accomplish in your marriage. Maybe uh, some of you, you, you have uh, a, a dream for a big Business or a dream for a non-profit, or uh, you, your dream is to change the world, or your, your dream is it's just, just to become a better person yourself, but you've had a dream for your life, uh, then there are those here this morning, and you've received God-given dreams. And what I mean by a God-given dream, these are the dreams that impresses your soul so much, you just cannot shake that dream. That they, they often seem a little far-fetched, but they always seem to answer that question what is my purpose in life? And you get this God-given dream, and where you feel God wants to take you in life, and you realize that is your purpose in life. In, in, in my life, I, I've experienced two God-given what I call dreams. First one happened at 16 years old, I was 16 years old, living in England, and uh, still in school and God gave me kind of this uh, this vision, this dream. It's very hard to explain. I cannot even uh, explain it in human terms and uh, still today it's still very hard for me to, to, to explain what I saw but I felt God showed me where I would be later on in life and, uh, and that dream at 16 years old living in England involved me being on the east coast of the United States of America which is I think it's pretty cool the fact that I'm here on the east coast of the United States of America and that was not by choice I tell you uh, so so it's amazing that God shows these things, that was the first one uh, and, and it showed that, that, that what we would be part of would change and impact the world and go into third world countries and help pastors and, and churches in different parts of the world and it was an amazing dream that God gave but then the second one happened about eight and a half years ago and It was a dream that what I call a progressional dream that it progressed day after day and it got more vivid day after day and 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 it involved. People who were turned away from God, coming back to God. People who turned away from the church, coming back into the church. People who felt they did not belong anymore in a community of faith, suddenly found belonging in a community of faith. And that was the start of the dream that I believe that God gave us, that he wanted us to, 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 to help him and, and be a servant for him in order to start a church where people who had gone away from God would come back and find the life saving knowledge and faith in Jesus Christ and and that's how generation church started eight and a half years ago with this little dream that just got more vivid and vivid. But this is what I know about dreams for our lives, especially God-given dreams. And so if you feel that God has impressed something on you uh, to to, to do in your life and you feel that God has given me this God-given dream, then this is what, in my experience, I know about these God-given dreams. Number one, they will appear too greatly or too Too great to humanly attain. They will appear too great to humanly attain. You will feel it's impossible for me to be able to do what I feel God wants me to do. That's why they're God given dreams. Number two, they change the course of our lives forever. They change the course of our lives forever. It it means that that, that we were once going in one direction, but as soon as we get this dream, especially these God-given dreams, it changes our direction of our lives forever because now this is our focus. This is what we are working towards. This is our purpose. This is our goal in life. And then number three, this is what I know about dreams, especially God-given dreams. They feel so real that you are sure they will take place. That there is a a supernatural faith that just comes that you feel, I I know it seems humanly impossible. I know I just feel I can't do what what I feel God is leading me to do. But this is what I know. It's going to take place. You just have this faith that God just gives this supernatural faith. And there was a man in the Bible who had a dream. And his name was not Martin Luther King. He was not in the Bible. But he had a dream as well. Pretty cool dream as well he had. But this guy, his name was Jacob. And Jacob had a God-given dream. Things had been going pretty well for Jacob. Now, Jacob is the grandson of Abraham, who was like the father of the, uh, of, of the Jewish faith. Uh, and and Jacob ha- had been living a life where he had been fairly blessed. Now Jacob's dad was Isaac, who 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 was the blessed son of Abraham. Now Jacob had a brother; he had a twin brother. And Jacob's twin brother, his name was Esau. Esau had kind of like a a hair problem. He 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 like shaved, and immediately like his beard would grow back. I mean, he had a little too much hair. And, and, and so he, he was a little kind of strange. He was more like a mountain man. But he was the older twin of Jacob. The Bible says that when Jacob came out of his mother's womb, he was holding on to Esau's heel. And that's why they named him Jacob, which means heel holder. He was trying to pull him back because he wanted to go first. But he was the second son of Isaac. And the reason things have been going pretty well for him, because in that culture at that time, the firstborn son was the blessed son of the family. The firstborn son was the one who would carry the family name. They would be the one that would would, uh, uh, take the direction of the family for future generations. They were the one who would receive the inheritance from the father. And the reason I say things have been going pretty well for him is because somehow he had tricked his father and his brother Esau into giving him the blessing. So Esau, even though he was the firstborn son, he deserved the blessing Jacob got the blessing. And in his culture, he had no right to take the blessing. He had no right to lead the family name forward, for that was Esau's job. But he was blessed. And in future generations, the Bible talks about the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Uh, instead of the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Esau, Esau's name is kind of wiped off the map because Jacob now is the blessed son. So things had been going pretty well for him. And one night, Jacob had a dream. God appeared to Jacob in a dream. And in this dream, he saw a staircase. And the staircase went up to heaven. And at the top of the staircase, there was God. And God was blessing Jacob, he was giving Jacob direction for his life. And this is what God said to Jacob. Jacob, you and your descendants will be blessed. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. And then he says, and wherever you walk, that land will be yours. And the land that you stand on now will be yours. And so Jacob had this vision that God was going to bless him in this incredible way that his descendants were going to fill the earth. And so Jacob woke up from this dream and suddenly he had direction for his life. Notice what we see. This God-given dream appeared too great for Jacob to humanly attain. I don't care how much you can reproduce. You cannot reproduce enough by yourself to fill the earth as much as the dust as the earth. But this dream changed the course of Jacob's life. And it seemed so real that Jacob thought it was going to take place and he believed God. And so he woke up from his dream and he was full of faith and he was determined to see the dream of God fulfilled in his life. It was a life that was going to be forever changed. He had renewed purpose for his life. He was ready to take his life on the wild ride of following God in faith. And so Jacob was ready to seize his God-given dream. Now, just before he had this dream, Jacob's father, Isaac, said to him, Jacob, it's time for you to get married. You've been feeding off me too much. You need to leave the house. You need to find your wife and start your own life. He said, so this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to your uncle." His name is Laban, and I want you to take one of his daughters to become your wife. Well, first thing, when I'm reading this, in our culture, the alarm bells are going. I'm like, his uncle, her daughters, that's his cousin. That's gross. So, but in those days, they didn't care if you married your cousin. They didn't care if your kids came out with buck teeth or wonky eyes. They didn't care about that stuff in those days. So he says, go to your uncle Laban, and I want you to take one of his daughters as your wives. And so he started the journey to Laban's house, and that is when he had this God-given dream. Now, when Jacob arrived into town, the town where his uncle lived, suddenly he starts to see the first glimpses of God fulfilling the dream. God fulfilling the vision for his life. God fulfilling his purpose. So if you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to Genesis chapter 29. Genesis chapter 29, and we're going to read through most of this today, this this chapter. We're going to start reading at verse 1. If you don't have your Bibles, then it will be on the screen. But this is what it says. Then Jacob hurried on. This was after the dream he had from God. Finally arriving in the land of the east, He saw a well in the distance. Three flocks of sheep and goats laid in an open field beside it, waiting to be watered. But a heavy stone covered the mouth of the well. It was the custom there to wait for all the flocks to arrive before removing the stone and watering the animals. Afterward, the stone would be placed back over the mouth of the well. So Jacob went over to the shepherds and asked, where are you from, my friends? We are from Haran, they answered. Do you know a man there named Laban, the grandson of Naor? He asked. Yes, we do, they replied. Is he doing well, Jacob asked. Yes, he's well, they answered. Look, here comes his daughter, Rachel, with the flock now. Jacob said, look. It's still broad daylight, too early to round up the animals. Why don't you water the sheep and goats so they can get back to pasture? We can't water the animals until all the flocks have arrived, they replied. Then the shepherds move the stone from the mouth of the well and we water all the sheep and goats. Jacob was still talking with them when Rachel arrived with her father's flock, for she was a shepherd. And because Rachel was his cousin, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and because the sheep and the goats belonged to his uncle Laban, Jacob went over to the well and moved the stone from the mouth and watered his uncle's flock. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and he wept aloud. He explained to Rachel that he was her cousin on her father's side, the son of her aunt Rebecca. so Rachel quickly ran and told her father Laban. As soon as Laban heard that his nephew Jacob had arrived, he ran out to meet him. He embraced and kissed him and brought him home. When Jacob had told him his story, Laban explained, or exclaimed, "You really are my own flesh." And blood. So Jacob has got this vision from God, this dream from God. He arrives at the town where his uncle Laban lives. Jacob knew the vision God had for him, but he knew that he needed one thing in his life to be able to fulfill the vision or the dream God had for him. And this was what he needed a woman. Because it's very hard to create descendants without. A woman. So he knew he needed a woman. It would be very difficult to fulfill the vision God had for his life, even though God can do the miraculous in the impossible. He knew he needed a woman. And then a woman walks into his life. Her name is Rachel. And he looks at her and he thinks, What's a woman? This woman is like no other woman. She may be my cousin, but she is a hot cousin. (laughs) Suddenly for Jacob, the stars were aligning. God's dream was about to become a reality. The blessed life was about to be lived out. And so Jacob could not contain himself. He sees Rachel and the Bible tells us he went over and he kissed Rachel. No introduction. There's no, like, how do you do? There's no, let me take you out for dinner. He just goes straight for the kill and he, cusses and he kisses her. But then he does something very unmanly. And the Bible says then he wept aloud. I don't know how many guys here this morning, you've kissed the woman of your dreams and then you've wept. I'm sure you will never tell any of us that you've ever done that. But the Bible tells us that Jacob kissed this woman and then he wept aloud. But then the story gets even better because then she goes, takes him home as well. And he meets her father. And I'm expecting the father to be there with a shotgun and, you know, and a stern talking to. But no, he's like, come in. This is great. We welcome you. We bless you. Come into our home. And so the stars are aligning. The dream is on takeoff. And the dream is about to become a reality. Have you ever lived off pure adrenaline for a couple of days? You know you're tired. You know your body's a little weak. But there's something that just keeps fueling you. In the summer of 2012 and the summer of 2013, I felt for like three months of that summer... It was just like I was on five-hour energy every single day. In 2012, we moved into our home, and it was a little bit of a fixer-upper, and we had a lot, a lot of work that we had to do. And so day and night, we just worked and worked. And and, and I feel like I hardly got any sleep during the summer of 2012, but the stuff we were able to accomplish in such a little time was amazing because we were just working off pure adrenaline. Then in 2013, Generation Church decided to move from Regal Movie Theaters to the campus we have here today. And when we moved here in 2013, it did not look like a church. It had a whole lot of work. We did so much stuff that we worked and worked that summer to get this place ready so that we could worship here. There were some nights we left at 2 in the morning and we all had to get up for work the next day. But it was just like we were working off pure adrenaline. And this is what life was like for Jacob at this moment. Suddenly, he's had the excitement of the dream and the rush of getting towards the goal. The, the energy, the pure energy of love and romance is just taking him from one step to another. And he's feeling like life is a breeze. Now, when I was a kid, I used to play soccer. I haven't played for quite a few years now. But uh, when we used to play, towards the end of the game, you would get really tired. And there's just a lot of cardio involved in playing soccer. And, but you would always see, and I would be the same, and I would watch my teammates. Everybody would be tired. You know, their legs were getting heavy. You couldn't chase down the ball as quick as you'd want to. You couldn't, you couldn't make the tackle as quick as you want to. But if the ball started to go towards the opposition's goal, suddenly everybody got renewed energy. Everybody just started chasing it. And it was like you had only just started the game instead of being playing for 80 minutes. And and nobody felt tired when the ball was going towards their goal. The thought of scoring the winning goal, the thought of, of putting the ball in the net, it was like the adrenaline just started to rush. But as soon as the ball started going the other way towards your own goal, suddenly the legs started getting heavy again. You felt like you just couldn't chase it down. Suddenly, you just wanted just to, to, just to stay there and let someone else take care of, of making the tackle. But because the legs were heavy. Because when things are going well for you, it feels like life is easy. But when things start going bad for you, life is difficult. And this is what happens for Jacob. Life was going easy for him. And so it was like he was about to score a goal. And so let's continue reading verse 14 of Genesis 29. It says, Laban exclaimed, You really are my own flesh and blood. After Jacob had stayed with Laban for about a month, Laban said to him, You shouldn't work for me without pay just because we are relatives. Tell me how much your wages should be. Now Laban had two daughters. The older daughter was Leah and the younger one was Rachel. There was no sparkle in Leah's eyes, but Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. Doesn't talk about personality at all, does it? But anyway, (laughs) since Jacob was in love with Rachel, he told her father, I'll work for you for seven years if you give me, Rachel, your younger daughter as my wife. Agreed, Laban replied. I'd rather give her to you than anyone else. Stay and work with me. So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel, but his love for her was so strong, it seemed to him just a few days. Sounds like a Hallmark movie, right? And it says this. Finally, the time came for him to marry her. He says, I fulfilled my agreement, Jacob said to Laban. Now give me my wife so I can sleep with her. Almost seems too good, right, to be true. He walks into town. Suddenly, the first woman he meets is the perfect woman. The Bible says that she had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. On top of that, she was single. She was a farmer, so she didn't mind getting her hands dirty, but she was beautiful. The Bible says that, He worked for seven years for her. Think he worked alongside her for seven years. It wasn't like she was just in a distant place and he worked, then he went to her. But she was a farmer just like him. They worked together for seven years, but it only seemed a few days. And then after seven years, I love what Jacob said. Laban, I've worked for you for seven years. Now give me Rachel so I can sleep with her. I mean, come on, dude. You know, it's like you are about to marry your princess, you know, and you should be thinking we're going to have long romantic walks together. We're going to sit together on the porch, you know, watching the sun come down. We're going to watch our kids grow up together. We'll have romantic dinners. No, all Jacob is thinking is about he's going to sleep with her. And girls, that is just what guys think about all the time. That's it. I'm just telling you that. But everything is going great. He's worked hard for seven years. He's about to have his hand in marriage. And this is what I know. When you really love someone, you have no problem waiting for them. And if you're single here this morning, let that be a lesson to you. If someone is trying to pressure you into stuff, if they really love you, they will wait for you. They will wait for you. Jacob waits seven years. And let me just say, ladies, real men know how to wait. Real men know how to wait. And Jacob was a real man. When you have passion, the mundane does not bother you. Seven years of just doing the same job, time after time, just to get the woman of his dreams. But he had passion for this woman. It did not bother him. But one lesson in life I wish I discovered earlier. I wish I discovered many years ago when I first got my first God-given dream. And this is the lesson in life that I wish I had learned. And I want to tell every one of you who have got a dream for your life or a God-given dream for your life. And this is what I discovered. Every dream, especially God-given dreams... Have moments when they feel like a nightmare. I'll say that again. Every dream, especially God given dreams, have moments when they feel like a nightmare. Just because things may not go as planned, just because the passion may suddenly die, just because the mundane suddenly gets on your nerves, just because you find yourself in a place you never thought you would be, it does not mean the dream has died. And so many people go through moments where they are living the dream and then suddenly a nightmare comes along and they give up because they think the dream has died. They think that God doesn't care about them anymore. They doubt God in the whole thing. But I tell you, every single dream especially God-given dreams have moments when you will think it it is like a nightmare the dream of God for your life has to go through the darkness of a nightmare for the dream to be fulfilled and many do not survive this especially in, in their faith Many people, when they come to faith, they're, 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 they're on cloud nine. They think they can take on the world. They've got all this faith. They're, they're, they want to chase after God. They want to tell everybody about Jesus. But then suddenly, some bad things happen in their life. And it feels like a nightmare. And suddenly, they feel, well, what happened to God? What happened to God? And many people lose their faith because of it. But the reality is every dream, especially God-given dreams, have moments when they feel like a nightmare. And let's take a look at Jacob's nightmare. Genesis twenty-two uh, 29, verse 22. So Laban invited everybody to the neighborhood and prepared a wedding feast. But that night when it was dark, Laban took Leah to Jacob and he slept with her. Now let me just pause just for a moment. This isn't about what we're talking about today, but here at Generation Church, one of the things we will teach Is this, we do not believe in sex outside of marriage. This is why. Right here, this gives us a good explanation. They had a wedding feast. There There was Rachel, and then there was Jacob. They had their wedding day. But they were not technically married under the Old Testament biblical terms until... They'd actually come together in one month. That was the moment of marriage. That is why then Laban comes and at night he takes away Rachel out of the bed and he puts Leah in the bed and suddenly there is a moment where they are getting biblical. <laughs> it says this, verse 25, when Jacob woke in the morning, it was Leah. What have you done to me, Jacob, Raged I am. I worked seven years for Rachel. Why have you tricked me? It's not our custom here to marry off a younger daughter ahead of the firstborn, Leah, uh, Laban replied. So let me just go back to the moments of why I will teach That we do not believe in sex before marriage. Because when you have that moment of coming at one moment with one another. You become at the moment where you become permanently attached to that person. There is this marriage going on. And if that's going on outside of asking God to bless your marriage. Then God's blessing is off your marriage. That is why we will teach it. And that's why the Bible talks about it. Because it's not so much the ceremony. It's the act of coming together in one moment with one another. So they had the wedding day. And suddenly Leah is in Jacob's bed, not Rachel. Jacob wakes up the next morning and turns over. And he sees the female version of Shrek. I mean... That's a little cruel to Leah. She wasn't really that bad. But I love how the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us in verse 17, it says, Leah had no sparkle in her eyes. Basically saying Leah was no eye candy at all. She wasn't the better looking. She wasn't the one that Jacob loved and suddenly he's worked, and the dream is coming, and he's thinking, we're going to fill the earth with our descendants, and it's going to be Rachel and myself, and then suddenly, the other sister is in the mix. Suddenly, Leah is there. It is a nightmare. You've fallen in love with this beauty. You've worked for seven long years. You've been dreaming of your wedding day. You're dreaming of your honeymoon. You've been working for six months, just doing crunches every single day, so your wife can see a six-pack, and it is Leah. Not Rachel, just think of the emotions at this point. All that you thought that was going to happen didn't happen. The dream has died. you're now asking the why questions of life you're wondering, God, do you really care about me you're doubting god you 're hurt. People in your life have come and people that you trusted, people that you looked up to. They've hurt you. They, 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 they've cheated you. Your life is not turning out as you imagined or hoped or believed. You've worked for seven long years and all you have to show for it are the leaders of this world. But yet Jacob shows some fight within him. If I was Jacob, I would have left. I'd have been like, okay, I'm out of here. But the hurts did not kill Jacob. The pain made him pause, but it didn't stop him. For he knew that Rachel was the girl for him. So the Bible tells us in verse 27, it says... Laban says, but wait until the bridal week is over. Then we'll give you Rachel too, providing you promise to work another seven years for me. So Jacob agreed to work seven more years. A week after Jacob and married Leah, Laban gave him Rachel too. Then verse 30, it says, so Jacob slept with Rachel. So they got married and he loved her much more than Leah. I feel sorry for Leah, I really do. Then he stayed and worked for Laban The additional seven years. Notice Jacob didn't fight it. Many of us would have got our lawyers. We would have told our whole family. We would have told everybody about it. We would have tried to bring Laban down. He cheated us. He hurt us. He tricked us. But Jacob didn't fight it. He chose not to hold a grudge against Laban. In fact, he understood that God was in control. It was God's dream. And God would fulfill it. So he waited. Then he got his woman, Rachel, a week later. And then he showed Laban the faithfulness that Laban never showed him. And when you honor people, even when you are wronged, you eventually will be honored. And just because someone may have wronged you in your life or somebody may have hurt you, maybe a family member or a friend or or, or a stranger and they've hurt you, don't hold a grudge against them. Don't become bitter against them. Instead, show them the faithfulness that they never showed you. That is a Christ-like manner. When you choose to respect those who don't deserve to be respected, you come out the victor in the end. What I love about this story, though, is just how we see the hand of God in all of this. The Bible says that Jacob starts to be blessed. In fact, Jacob's business starts to grow. Jacob starts to become more blessed than Laban. Uh, and eventually Laban lets Jacob go out on his own and Jacob becomes a prosperous man. Everywhere he went, Jacob was blessed. He starts to see the hand of God in his life and the God-given dreams starts to be fulfilled. In fact, Jacob in the end ends up having 12 boys and a, and a daughter. And it's through those boys that the tribes of, of, of Israel start to, to, to come together. And before long, as we continue to read the Bible, we start to see that the children of Jacob are as numerous as the dust of the earth. The God-given dream that God gave that day on the way to Laban's house, that God gave to Jacob and said, you will be blessed. You will be as prosperous as anybody else. You will fill the earth with your descendants. It came about when you read the Bible. But this is where I see the hand of God. The blessing did not come through the womb of Rachel. But the blessing came through the womb of Leah. Rachel couldn't have children. Leah could. In fact, after many, many years, Rachel finally had a child called Joseph. And then a child called Benjamin. But when you look at the history of Israel, and how God blessed this family, you will see the most blessed children are the ones that came from Leah. In fact, you will find that some of the most incredible men of the Bible did not come through Rachel, but they came through Leah. King David, who was seen as the greatest king of all, came through the seed of Leah. Solomon, the man, wisest man who ever lived, came through the seed of Leah. Hezekiah, one of the greatest kings ever, came through the seed of Leah. Even our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, came through the tribe of Judah, which was a son of Leah. And what may seem like a nightmare to you right now, maybe you're in that place where you've woken up and you've turned over, and it's not Rachel, it's Leah. And what may seem like a nightmare to you right now may actually be God's way of bringing forth the dream and bringing into existence the new day. Romans 8.28 tells us this, that for we know that God causes everything to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose for there and even though you feel that the dream has died maybe it's in that death that God is reviving that dream what may feel like a nightmare right now may come back to be a new day for you where God will bring the blessing into your life I don't know what season or stage of life you're in right now maybe you're in that place where God has given you a dream and you are passionate for it you, you, you are chasing after this dream that God's given to you. If that's you, keep going. Don't give up. Go chase after what God has given you. If you feel faith within you, then let faith arise and go and walk by faith and not by sight. Don't back up. Don't let go. Just walk in the dreams that God has for you because God is making your path straight. If you are in a place right now where you're working towards that dream. But it's just taking a little bit of time. You feel you're in that seven-year stretch like Jacob was. Then I encourage you, let the vision stay fresh. For the road ahead is long. But time always goes quicker when you're having fun. So make sure while you're working towards that dream, you have some fun as well while you do it. But maybe you're in a season of life right now where your dream has turned into a nightmare. And if that's you, I encourage you, do not lose hope. Do not doubt God. For like Jacob, your nightmare could be the start of your blessing, the beginning of that dream coming to fruition. And you may not see it right now, but God is working for your good. Maybe you're in that place right now where You've got the dream, you've worked, you've been through the hurt, you've been through the pain, you've been through the nightmare, but now you're on the other side. You're in a place of peace right now where you've forgiven those who have hurt you. You've got over the scars and the the wounds and the hurts. You've experienced the nightmares, but you've realized that sometimes nightmares come into dreams. Then if that's you, keep pressing, keep working, keep praising, keep yourself pure. For very soon, just like Jacob, you will start to see the harvest of all the years of hard work. Passion, patience, perseverance, purity, and just plodding along is the stuff that fulfilled dreams are made of. Make sure what God has started in you, he will complete to the end. Let's bow our heads in prayer. So while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning, you may be in this place today and maybe life is not turning out as you thought. Maybe some curveballs have been thrown along the way. Maybe you had dreams, but those dreams have died. Maybe you had passion, but that passion has waned away. Maybe you had love, but your heart was broken. Just because you may be going through a nightmare does not mean that God has forgotten about you. Just because... You wake up and all you see is Leah and all you wanted was Rachel does not mean that God will not use the Leah's of this life to bring forth the greatest blessings in your life. And so if you're in that place right now, then I encourage you, it's time to come to peace with that situation. Maybe someone hurt you or someone tricked you or somebody let you down and you've been holding a grudge or unforgiveness towards those people. The only thing that grudge and that unforgiveness is holding against you, it's holding you back to stepping into what God has for your life. So maybe it's time today to just let go. To choose to forgive, to choose to let the grudge go. Maybe you're in that place right now in your life where you feel that God has got so much more for you, but you're just not seeing it right now. Then it's time to keep the faith and keep strong and holding on and asking God, give me fresh vision and fresh, fresh revelation a fresh dream of what you want for my life. Because the Bible says, all that God has promised will come to pass. And I'm believing that for your life right now. That those dreams, those visions of God, they will come to pass. If you just stay true to the course. Maybe you're in this place today and you aren't even in a place of faith right now. Maybe you doubt God or you don't even believe in God or you've never really trusted in God. Maybe you're in that place where Jesus is not Lord of your life right now. And I tell you today, if you're in that place, then there's no worse nightmare than not having Jesus. For a nightmare with Jesus is so much brighter than a dream without Jesus. And so if you're in that place today where you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this morning I encourage you to give your life unto Him, to come unto Him and and ask Him to to forgive you of your sins and to come and be Lord of your your life. Give your life to Jesus today and say, God, I want to follow you. I want to be like Jacob. I want some staying power like Jacob. And God will do amazing things in your life. So I'm going to pray, and after I pray, we're going to sing one more song before we dismiss. But if you need any of those prayers this morning, then just pray with me and pray that God will do an amazing things in your life. So, Father.